Uh, man, it's, uh, it's good to be with you. It's been kind of a, a, a wild week this week, uh, but, a, but a good week, I think. A uh, good week for our church and uh, lots going on. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be a part of this church. I'm grateful to serve with the uh, pastors, elders that we have uh, here at 24. And uh, uh, if, you, if you see them, give them a hug, pat them on the back, tell them they're doing all right. You know, so, but uh, yeah. Just, uh, just grateful. Uh, we, uh, we're in the series, uh, the Word of Life, uh, talking through uh, the letters of John, and uh, today we are uh, in ending First uh, John chapter two and starting First John chapter three. Uh, and so, if you've got a Bible and you want to get it out and go there with us, that's where we're headed. Uh, if you don't have a, a Bible, our ushers will bring you one. They'd be glad to do that, and uh, we'd be glad for you to keep it if you don't own one, uh, and hope that, uh, hope that you do if you don't. Uh, consider it a gift. But, uh, uh, but yeah, we're going to, uh, to uh, 1 John chapter 2 to start out with. Um, you know, this passage uh, right here in the scriptures uh, from where we've been studying and where we're studying, I mean, you got to you you still have to kind of keep in mind the whole of you know some of the things that uh, are happening and that this was all written together and that we're taking bits and pieces of it but we've got to remember uh, the whole I think that's important and you know here uh, you know we're we're transitioning in the passage uh, from where John was you know trying to uh, warn us uh, of false teachers uh, which we talked a little bit about that last week uh, and and kind of switching over to a concern for the children of of God and so I mean it, it, in a way it was kind of he's still kind of doing the same thing because he was con- it was out of concern for the children of God that he was talking about the false teachers and whatnot that he was talking about before uh, you know in fact if you remember in that passage and I, I didn't really hit that point uh, necessarily uh, although I, I didn't mention it um, you know that he says uh, uh, he's talking about that the Holy Spirit is enough to help us uh, understand Scripture if we really, if we really pray, if we really seek the Lord, that He'll show us and help us to understand. Uh, and then he, he says, he says this statement the way it's worded. It sounds like you need, you don't need any teachers. Uh, and what he's getting at is he's saying you don't need any teachers that are telling you something extra from the scriptures. Uh, he's teaching, so we know that he doesn't believe that you don't need any teachers. We all need teachers. Um, and the truth is, is that we all need one another to push each other toward Jesus. And so, you know, he's kind of he's kind of coming from that, and now he's he's kind of um, uh, sliding into this other this other idea of you know just you know being prepared as children of God, and and what does that mean? Um, you know, uh, also Happy Father's Day. Uh, sorry. Uh, didn't mean to just jump over that one, uh, but uh, I hope I hope that it is good for you. I know it, I know days like this can be tough for some, uh, but uh, the, uh, the the funny thing is this passage talks about uh, you know a father, and and so I think that's very fitting for today. We'll talk about that. Uh, you remember you remember growing up and being on the playground and having that like like that argument with other kids on the playground about how your dad could beat up their dad. Do you remember that? Anybody, anybody ever have that conversation with anybody on the playground? And a whole bunch of liars sitting in church today, so we're having a good time. All right, so, uh, you know, this, this is, this is uh, it reminds me of that. It reminds me, you know, this passage reminds me of those, those arguments a little bit. And I remember, I remember some of those arguments. 
And I remember thinking deep down inside, I really don't think my dad can beat up your dad, but I'm just going to make up stuff about my dad and be like, you know, well, my, uh, my dad, he's a black belt ninja, you know, and stuff like that. And they'd be like, really? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the second they started buying it, I'm like, I'm riding this train. You know, they're not, they're not going to trash talk my dad, uh, you know. But, uh, you know, here we have, have a little bit of different understanding of a father. And I think it's worth us reading together. Let's check this out. First John chapter 2, verse 28 uh, and in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, it says this. It says, And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Let's, let's take a second and just pray over this, can we? Let's pray. God, we come to you right now, and God, we just ask that you would speak through your word. God, we pray that we would understand what you want us to understand, that we would grow closer to you. God, that we would be the children that you have called us to be in this world. And God, we just want to thank you right now, Lord, for everything that you allow us to be a part of as when it comes to being a part of your family, being able to call you Father. Thank you, Lord, that we can come today. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for your scriptures and your truth. And for Jesus, it's in his name we pray it. Amen. This, uh, this passage, um, you know, he starts out, verse 28, he says, Now little children abide in him. You know, right off the bat, you know, it's, it's funny. He's calling us little children. And really, uh, if, you, if you break that passage down, I think, I think what you're really looking at is, is your Yes, we are children of God, and he's going to get to that. But I think here specifically, John is kind of taking on the spiritual father role of saying, you know, hey, hey you, you know, I know you're young in the faith, whatever, little children, let me, let me, let me help you with some stuff here. And so then it's, it's kind of, a, I'm getting your attention back. We were fin- I'm finished talking about the false teacher thing for right now. I'm going to switch gears. We're going to this. He's like, and, and now, little children, abide in him. Abide in him. And this abiding in him is something he's already been talking about through the passage, if you remember. And really, it comes down to is he's, is what he was teaching us before this passage was that we should abide in him. And that, again, goes back to part of what I was just talking about a minute ago. But it's so that we would uh, be doctrinally aware, that we would be theologically aware of what Scripture says, of who God is, that we would abide in him, that we would keep coming back to, as he was saying in the passage before, uh, to, to what we've known since the beginning about Jesus. And so he's coming back to this. He's saying, you know, abide in him. You know, be reminded. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away in shame at his coming. So that sounds a little strange. You know, it's like, okay, so abide in him so that we understand who God is, who Jesus is, understand what God's doing, understand what Jesus has done, all of these things, the truth, right? But then he gives a reason, one of the reasons why that we should do this, and I'm just going to read it again, so that when he appears, he being Jesus, when he appears, again, talking about the second coming, when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. 
Now this is a this may seem a little odd. It is a little odd of a statement if you if you if you're not really kind of tracking with with where John is and what he's trying to say to us. But what he's trying to say to us right here is he's saying, you know, be so enthralled with who Christ is that you're abiding in him and understanding who he is and knowing him intimately that you are ready for the moment that he arrives. And that at the moment that he arrives, we're not like afraid, you know, like we're not, we're not like running, you know, oh my, God, oh my gosh, Jesus, it, it, you remember, you remember when you would get, you remember when you get in trouble, you know, and you did something wrong and you know your parents are coming home and they're going to find out, you know, you remember those moments? I remember one specifically, my dad, uh, very fitting for Father's Day, I'm going to talk about my dad a little bit today. Uh, my dad comes, you know, is, is gone away. He's like preaching a revival in some other state or something, you know, for one of his buddies or something. And, and he, and he's gone, but I have his car. I'm like 16, 17 years old. Okay. Maybe 18. I don't know. No, 16, I was 16 or 17. I remember where we were living and he had this little brown 87 Honda Accord and, uh, I liked to wreck it. And, uh, and so you heard that right. I liked to wreck it. And so, uh, you know, I didn't like to, but I did a lot. And so, uh, you know, while he was gone, I had gotten in a wreck. Okay. And at the end of the wreck, the last thing that happened in the wreck is I was spinning out of control on Old Hickory Boulevard round and round in this car after driving like an idiot, uh, was that the car, uh, well, first of all, uh, took out a, a mailbox with the quarter panel, but the resting place for the, for, the, for the car was that the trunk, the back of the car, squared perfectly up with a tree. And so the, so the, the trunk of the car had the perfect like, place to set a tree. You know, the back end of the car did, right? And so, um, yeah, and so uh, I drove it out of there. We were, we were all right. That's good. And, uh, uh, but I had, I had to take it home. And then he was coming home, I think, later the same day. And, and I knew there's no hiding this from my dad. So, uh, we, and, and this is, you got to remember, this is before cell phones, all right? It's before, like, you know, you know, my mom would be like, you know, hey, Chris wrecked your car again or something. There was none of that. He's just going to come home. And I knew that the way the car was parked in the driveway, he's going to drive up in my mother's car and see the back end of his car and come in the house. And, and that's when it's going to be on, you know. And so I, I just I just remember and I remember thinking, you know what, I'm not turning the car around backwards. I'm just going to I'm going to let that be the first thing. And maybe there'll be like a buffer of something between him in the driveway and him getting in the house. You know, and so then, you know, he comes in the house, I hear the door, I hear the door shut and all this, and I'm just waiting, you know, and, uh, and he's, he's, I hear him in there chit-chatting with my mom, and I hear him, you know, I hear something about it, and you know, you know, of course my mom, she's like, did you see your car? You know, she'd throw me under the bus in a heartbeat, that woman, let me tell you, uh, <laughs> so anyway, Dad finally comes to my room, and he, and he kind of does one of these, something you want to tell me? And I was like, I got in a wreck. He's like, I see that. 
you know? Of course, first question, he's like, are you okay? So on and so forth, you know? I, I, think, I think this passage is, is kind of giving us one of those moments. You know, it's kind of it's helping us to be reminded that when Jesus comes back, that we, if, if we are in Christ, if we know him as our Savior, we're forgiven, you know? We don't have to, we don't have to be like, hiding in the closet or, you know, like, you know, running away. Like, what's, what's Jesus going to think of what I did last week? He knows, you know. He knows. And guess what? He loves us. He loves us. This confidence that John is saying that we should have is important for us. Have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Verse 29, it goes on and says, If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. This, this is, uh, is kind of you know, turning into you know, uh, a little bit of know them by their fruits kind of thing. We see a little more of that here later in the passage. Uh, but the but in verse 28, if we go back to that, sorry to jump back. In verse 28, if we go back to the word coming, uh, talking about this word that's talking about Christ coming, his second coming specifically, the Greek word there, uh, and, and it's probably a terrible pronunciation of it, uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot at parousia, and it's, and it's, and it's describing Christ's return. But this, this is actually a word that's not just used all throughout Scripture. In fact, this was a word that historically, at that time, that they would have used uh, to describe the festivities attendant on a monarch's arriving for a state visit. So this is, so this is, I want you to kind of imagine with me just a little bit, like John is trying to help us to, he's painting a little bit of the picture of when Christ returns, that instead of, that instead of like shying away and being, you know, thinking that we're in trouble for what we've done or whatever, that we are to be excited. Like they would have been excited like when the king comes to town. Like, oh man, the king's really coming here. He's really coming to town. You know, like, is that, that's really happening? How crazy is that? We, when Christ comes, should be like running full on to him. Not shrinking back, not ashamed, more, more of the same and with urgency even. Verse 29, he says, if you know that he is righteous you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. This, this, this practicing righteousness born of him piece of this. You know, is, is this seeing the example that happens in a person's life once they've been saved by God's grace through Jesus? Salvation from Jesus is not our own doing. And that's kind of a little bit of what John is dropping here. He's, he's, he's just kind of confirming again that, you know, you'll see this in, in one another, again, by their fruit kind of deal, uh, and, and it comes from Jesus. It comes from his grace. It comes from the work that he has done. It comes from Jesus' righteousness, and that we will see others practicing his righteousness. 
And this, and this, is, this brings about a, a big piece of why John is writing this passage. And a big piece of why John is writing this passage is, is that we too would pursue a life of Christ. That we too would pursue being Jesus to one another. Giving grace abundantly, 70 times 7, loving one another, all these things. He's going to get to that further in the passage, and we're not going into all of that today. Uh, but, but he's going to go there in chapter 3 for sure. Then you've got this you know, idea of doing what is right, this known by their fruits. You know, I, I think the interesting thing about being known by our fruits is, is that real fruit is produced not on surface level. If you think about that, if you think about like a great tree, a great tree that stands in the ground and has stood in the ground for a long time, generally speaking, has an incredible root system. I think this is important for us, that we too are reminded that for us to bear good fruit means that our roots have to be in the gospel. Our roots have to be in Christ. We have to let Him change who we are from the inside out. And, and I know the temptation. We all know the temptation is like we, we want to do right, and you know we you know, but we you know we kind of get busy and we kind of forget to spend time with the Lord and you know things like that. It's like, well, I'm gonna I'm just gonna keep doing right, you know. But what ends up happening is is we end up with this like false Christianity. That's, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're faking it until we make it, so to speak. And we're not happy in it. We find no joy in it. Because we're missing the parts that bring us joy. We're missing the parts that bring us peace. So we're still struggling with all the things of the world in all these major ways. And the truth is, it's because we're not doing the work on the front end to receive what happens on the back end. You see, when, when our roots are in Christ, then we bear fruit. We bear fruit without even thinking about it because we're so, we're so happy about what's going on in our lives and what Jesus is doing in our lives that we bear fruit and we love others and we care for others and we want them to know Jesus. Verse 29, If you know that He is righteous you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Jesus is teaching us all along the way to follow him, to trust in him. But I think the thing that we have to watch out for is that we don't try to do the righteous things, but that we try to know the righteous one. Knowing the righteous one, growing in our relationship with him, produces the righteous things. We love doing those things. And, and, and that's the difference between the gospel and legalism. And how we fall back into that sometimes. That whole like, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that. You know, kind of check off the list kind of deal. Ah, that's not what Jesus wants for us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants, to, he wants to know us. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to grow in Him and Him change our lives and make us more like Him. Keeping His commandments, uh, yeah, is an overall teaching, but, it, but it's a product. It's the fruit of great roots. Now let's move to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. I'm just reading three verses here. 
And in verse 1, let's just go ahead and read all three verses. It says this, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what will be has not yet appeared. What we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies Himself as He is pure. Verse 1 right here. Go back to it. It says, see what kind of love the Father has given us, given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. John, John's taken a moment here in this passage that I think is, I think is worth noting. He's taken a moment here. He, he starts off verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we can be called children of God. He, he's, 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 it's, it's, I'm imagining this being a little bit like a, let me call time out and tell us about it. Let's, let's, just, let's just look at something. Let's gaze on a truth together kind of thing. That's, that's kind of what I feel like John is doing here when he says, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we shall be called children of God, and so we are. You know, John is, John is making a point here. He's he's making a point for us to understand that we have been given the greatest love of all time. The greatest love of all time. And that is the greatest love of the greatest father that has ever existed. So no matter where you come from, no matter what kind of relationship you have with an earthly dad, we've been given the promise of a love that goes way and above and beyond anything that we could have ever known in an earthly father through a heavenly father who sent his son. And this is the fuel for the love that we're called to to love in and all this. And, And really John is marveling in God's goodness here. And he's pointing us to this. He's wanting us to see this. You know, that this is, this is, this is the great father. I didn't even plan for this to be the Father's Day, you know, thing. It just, it just fell that way, right? The Lord is good. And here we are reminded that he, he is the ultimate father. And he loves us and that he cares for us. He says, see what kind of love the father has given to us. That we should be called children of God, so we are. Did you ever grow up wishing you were part of somebody else's family? I did all the time. My parents would agree with that. Especially when it came time for the 4th of July. The 4th of July, there's, a, there's an on-running joke even now that I'm an adult. Uh, and, uh, and that is that when I was a kid... We go to the store around the Fourth of July, and of course, as a kid, what did I want us to be buying at the store? Getting close to the Fourth of July, fireworks, things to blow stuff up with. That's that's what I wanted to be buying. And my parents saw that as just throwing money away. We're not doing. We're not buying that stuff. Just throwing money away. So guess what I did? 
I was mowing the yard and every dime I could get together at that time of year was going to fireworks. And so I'd go, we had a little grocery store that was close to the house I could ride my bike to. I'd ride my bike to it, you know, get me a bag of little, you know, a little bag of nothing, you know, but get me a little bag of fireworks and have it hanging on the handlebars, taking it home, you know. And, and, you know, but the statement that I would make to my parents was this. Why can't we be like normal families and buy fireworks? And they still talk about that today. They love talking about that. Now I blow stuff up whenever I want to. I show them. Also, don't mow the yard anymore. So that's, that's even better, to be honest with you. I promised my father, I, we, I won't go to digress too far, but I promised my father when I was a teenager, I was like, when I grew up, I'll never mow a yard. And he was like, you say that now, son. No, that, that's true. That is true. You know, what we see here in this passage is, is that God has given us the love that we don't deserve from him as the ultimate father of the world who literally... Not just, not just the love of a father, but the proof of his love as a father that he sent his son for us. That he sent his one and only son. And he goes on right there. He says, you know, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. And so we are now. Right? We are children of God now in Christ. If, if you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, if you have believed in him on the cross, the work that he did, uh, that he paid the penalty of death on our behalf, that he took the death that we deserve, and you've trusted in that, then you too are a child of God now. That's a lot. That's a whole lot. And John doesn't want us to miss it. And he goes on, he says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. This is no surprise. We see this through scripture. And in fact, I've got this passage out of John 15 in verse 18. And it says this, it says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Even you were of the world. The world would lo- even if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And that's, you know, that's hard to hear some days. Some days we don't want to hear that the world's going to hate us. You know? I mean, I feel that way. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But it's true. And we know that that's probably going to get more and more as time goes on. And we're seeing a culture shift like we have never seen right now. You know, this passage is a reminder to us to not be surprised when that's happening. It's easy for us to want the world to love us, to accept us, but on some level, they won't. And we need to be prepared for that. Verse 2, it goes on right there. It says, Beloved, we are God's children. When? Now. Now. We are God's children now. And what, will, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him 
as he is. This is, this is a cool... This is a cool little bit. First of all, in verse 2, we, we, get the, we get the like the definite, like we are his children right now, okay? But then he goes on, he says, what we will be. What's he talking about, what we will be? He's talking about when Jesus comes back, what we, as believers, what we will be. You know, he's talking about glorified bodies. Glor- you know, they, if you, maybe this is something new to you or whatever, but the process of glorification, you know, that, that Jesus, that God is going to make us perfect in that moment, like Jesus, not just like Jesus, but like Jesus, okay, that, that we will have no sin, that we will have new bodies, uh, that we will be made perfect with him eternally, uh, with him without sickness, without sin, understanding all these things that we wonder about now. This is crazy, right? But that's what's going to happen when, when Christ returns. And we will see him as he is, it says. We will see him as he is. We will be like him because we will see him as he is. I mean, I, just, I don't even know that I have the words to describe exactly what that's... I know I don't have the words to describe what, what exactly that's going to be like. I don't even know that I have the words to kind of describe what that's going to be like. But I think at the end of the day, I think we understand that we're going to see Jesus. We're going to see God the Father, in a way that we never would have imagined that we would be able to. I mean, you see all the passages of Scripture all over the New Testament, wherever, where all these people, you know, wanting to see God, you know, and God's like, you can't see me. You can't handle it, you know. You can't handle it, you know. And, and here, it's this promise, we will get to see him and we will understand what we are seeing in that moment. And how crazy is that? We will see him as he is. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. Folks, this is, this is the eyeball that everybody wants into, like, what's it going to be like in eternity? This, this verse is a lot of it. Like, we don't fully understand it. We're just getting, like, the beginnings of it. It's just like, you know, th- this is what it's going to look like to be handed the key to go in kind of thing. But, but this is, I mean, this is our hope. This is what our hope is in. It's in, like, leaving this world behind and, and having this unbelievable Eternity with the Father, with the Son. Verse 3, it goes on. It says, And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies Himself as He is pure. Purifies Himself for He is pure. We allow God's forgiveness to reign over our sin. And set us free from it. Let me say that again. We allow God's forgiveness to reign over our sin and set us free from it. This amazing thing happens in our life. When we receive Christ as our Savior, when God does this work in us that we can't do ourselves, it's totally a gift from Him. 
And he sets us free from the things of this world that we think we are being held captive by. I'm going to say it again. He sets us free from the things of this world that we feel like we are being held captive by. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you need to be reminded today that you are forgiven in Christ. That you've been set free. That you can move forward. That you can stop looking back. That you can look to the future. That you can be free in Christ to enjoy life. To enjoy Him. To have peace. To abide in Christ. And we've seen, we've seen the example of this. We've seen Jesus. We have, we have all of the writings about Christ and His life here in human form for us to strive for. And when we do, that's where we find peace. That's where we find joy. That's where we find fulfillment. Colossians 3 verse 1 says this. It says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. You have died, and your death is hidden in Christ within, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Glory. We will see his glory. We will be with him in glory. We will be changed by his glory. Now here's the truth. We'll still suffer, you know. As children of God, while we're here, we'll still suffer. We'll still come under attack. But this passage as a whole is helping us to understand something. And that's this. That what we are going to be one day changes who we are today what we will be one day the promise of what God is going to do with us one day changes who we are today we have a confidence right we don't have to cower when Jesus comes we don't we don't have to cower to the world you know and I think we're so used to doing that we're so used to seeing people do that You'd almost think, oh, John doesn't need to write that. He doesn't need to write that we'd be ashamed when Jesus comes back. No, I think he does. I think we need to be reminded. We don't have anything to be ashamed of. Jesus already knows all of our stuff. He loves us and he cares for us. You go back to that, my dad will beat your dad up thing, right? Our Father in heaven carries the biggest stick. I think we just need to be reminded of that some days. And then begs the question, do you call him father? Do you call him father? Those who do get to say, I have the best dad in the world. And if you don't, I just want to say, I would love to talk with you about that in a moment when I'm done teaching, and they come back up during that song, I'll be out in the foyer. I would love to talk with you and pray with you about what it means to know Jesus as your Savior, to trust in Him, to trust in the cross, the work that He's done in an empty grave, that He defeated death on our behalf, that we can have life eternally with God the Father.
I do know him as my father. I do know him as my father. I'm so, I've got to be honest with you, I am so incredibly blessed to know God the Father and for the earthly father that he has given me. Because I can call on him as father, I also have in him a mentor, an example. I want to read a little passage to you that uh, Danny Aiken wrote. Danny is the president of Southeastern Seminary where our friends, the Whitfields, serve. And uh, this is a commentary that he wrote on uh, this passage of Scripture. Just, just a little quick thing. It's just so good. I just wanted to read it. It says this. It says, The Father's love is a forever love, and, it results, and, and its results are twofold. One, we are now the children of God, and two, This is truly who we are. That we are called his children means we bear his name. That we are his children means that we have his nature. Once I was a slave to sin, but now I am a child of God. What an amazing truth to grasp and meditate on. What a beautiful balance this brings to my self-awareness. There is no place for either an inferiority or a superiority complex. I am who I am by gracious adoption and regeneration. That fosters humility. I am who I am as God's child. That fosters security and certainty. You don't have to wonder. (laughs) You You don't have to guess whether or not you are a child of God. You can know that you are a child of God. Scripture says, pray, you call on the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. Again, would love to talk with you about that in a moment. My dad, my earthly dad, isn't the black belt ninja that I brought up earlier. I look back on those playground conversations and I think to myself, you know, my dad was probably greater than their dad, not that it's really about that, in so many ways that at that time as a kid, I wanted him to be like a, you know, a brutal ninja robot with lasers or something, I don't know. But what I got was I got this dad who loved me unconditionally that I could absolutely trash his cars and he'd come home and see them wrecked in the driveway, come in the house, check on me, want to know that I'm okay before he might make a threat that I'd never drive again. But truly love me unconditionally. Truly love me with a love that was from Christ. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Today, John is reminding us to be like Christ. To follow in his example. To follow his commands with boldness. To not, to not be afraid, but to do so with confidence. 
but he's also taking a moment out in this passage today to remind us of a father's love. A father's love that is for you and is for me. And that on Christ's return, it will be like running to the arms of the greatest dad in the world. That no matter where we came from, no matter what we've had in an earthly father, and my dad has been a great one, but that God has something even greater for me in his love for me that he has already given through his son Jesus. Today, I encourage you, if you've never trusted in Christ, the Father loved you so much that he sent his only son to come rescue you, to come restore you back to who he created you to be because of a father's love. Let's pray. God, I pray for us as believers that that today we would be reminded of how great your love is, how it conquers all the things of this world, and that we forget that, and that we cower at times seeing and thinking about the awful things going on around us or whatever it may be. And, and yet, Lord, you're right there with your love and with your power, with your majesty. And, and God, I just pray that we would trust in that, that we would trust in you and quit leaning on our own understanding. But God, that we would just, we would run after you, allow you to do the work in our lives, Lord, that you want to do. God, I pray, Lord, for anyone that's never trusted in you, that's listening to this online, on a podcast, right here, right now in this room. God, if they haven't trusted in you, God, I pray that you would speak to their heart. Lord, in a way that I cannot. Lord, I pray that today you would save them, that you would bring them to you, that they would be a child of God today on this Father's Day, Lord, that they would meet for the first time forever, Lord, the greatest Father that there ever was and to experience the greatest Father's love that there ever is. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We ask all this in your Son's name. Amen.